You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. so much, Jack and Lydia, the newlyweds. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, God is good. Well, turn to, the, if you would, to the book of 1 John, chapter number 4, and I am aware that Ryan preached about the uh, How's Your Love Life on last Sunday, uh, and the Lord directed me uh, to preach about the love of God today. And, uh, you know, we were accused a number of years ago, we were accused of being the love church. Uh, as you can be dismissed at junior church. I see my wife standing back there, those that would be going to junior church. But uh, we were accused of being the love church, so i just like to live up to that reputation, amen? And I say accused because someone actually meant it in a derogatory way. 
Uh, oh, you're going to the love church. And I thought, well, guilty. Amen. I'll take that any day. Uh, but I want to preach on the thought today out of 1 John chapter number 1 about God's love and you. God's love and you. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 7. We're going to talk a little bit about this. The Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love... This is an amazing phrase. His love is perfected in us. So let's take a moment and pray. God, help us to get a glimpse of your love today. God, and I pray for that one that may be here today that does not know your love in experience, dear Lord. Maybe they've heard about it, but I pray, God, if there's anyone here today that has not experienced the wonderful love of salvation and forgiveness, that this would be the day. And God, help us as your people, dear Lord, to allow your love to be expressed through our lives. And we'll thank you, dear Lord, and praise you, for it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I believe that getting a grasp on the love of God is a very powerful and a very practical thing to do. Getting a hold and understanding God's great love for us. You know, for years, especially studying the book of 1 John, I've been struck at how often the word love is used. But the thing that really strikes me, especially understanding the emphasis, and as many of you know, the word love in the context of this passage, the Greek word that's used is the word agape, uh, which was a word that carried the idea of a love that loved without... uh, It was a love that was not merited. It's a love that doesn't expect anything in return. That's the kind of love that he's talking about here. But in our culture, the word love has been so cheapened, right? I mean, there's people that will literally just stand up and somebody they just met and say, Hey, I love you, man. And uh, so does that mean that you're willing to sacrifice for this person? Does that mean that you'd do anything for this individual? Love has been so cheap. And I've often used the example of, 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 you know, how special must it be to my beautiful bride when I tell her that I love my truck and then I turn around and I tell her that I love her. Isn't that precious? Uh, You know, or I love steak and I love you too, honey. Uh, You know, it's just been cheapened in the day and age in which we live. I love you. And oftentimes what we mean in our society by love, and this, boy, does this, this, this message is God's love in you because it's so practical. Because it's one of the things that happens in many of our relationships, marriages especially, is people are using the wrong kind of love, if you will, in marriage. Because what, when I say I love my truck or I love steak or whatever it is, I'm normally saying that. Why? I love it because of what it does for me. The satisfaction I get out of it. 
And buddy, let me tell you something right now. If that's the kind of love you're using in your marriage, uh, your marriage is doomed to fail. We must have God's love. We must have the agape love. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Jesus didn't love the church. He didn't love sinners when we were all great and wonderful and beautiful and living some wonderful life for Him. No, He he loved us in the absolutely dregs and darkness of sin. That, That same love that He illustrates toward the church is the love that He's talking about here. He illustrates it to each of us. So, Number one, there's a power if we can get a grasp on what God's love really is. Because I'm telling you right now, I can say with absolute authority that not many of God's people really grasp God's love. And I can usually say that by just looking at the way people are living their lives. I can look at it by the way people's, uh, the, the, the level of their joy. Uh, whether or not they're grasping the love of God. We just don't grasp it. It's vital. And I believe today it's more vital than ever that we in the dark days that we live can grasp the practical and powerful principles of the love of God. And so let's think about a couple things out of this passage I'll try to give you today. Number one, God's love is intrinsic to His nature. Notice what the Bible says there in verse number 7 of John 4. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Love is of God. So the source of this kind of love is God Almighty Himself. But not only is He the source of love, the Bible tells us that one of the Creator's fundamental characteristic traits is love. Notice what it says there in verse 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Why? Because God is love. So to know God is to know love. But love is intrinsic in His nature. See, contrary to the world's mindset, the fact that God is love, it's it's important to say that God being love does not mean that God winks at or excuses sin today. One of the great things about the love of God, He loves us so much, He loves us enough to save us from our sins, amen, and be our deliverer. In fact, Matthew one twenty one, the Bible says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. From their sins, not in their sins, but from their sins. But God's love is intrinsic in His nature along with His holiness. Number two, God's love is universal. Look at verse 14 of John, 1 John 4. The Bible says, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. His love is a universal love. Folks, while on earth, you remember how Jesus illustrated the perfect love of God? You know, one of the surprising facts that we mention from time to time around here, but I love the accusation that was leveled against the Lord Jesus Christ, (laughs) because it reminds me of the way I started off that we've been accused of being the love church. And Jesus was accused of being the love Lord, amen, the love Savior, because in Luke chapter number 7, He was accused of being a friend of publicans and sinners. And Jesus embraced that, amen? 
He was accused of being a friend of publicans and sinners. The publicans, it's not the republicans, okay? It's publicans, it's tax collectors. And these tax collectors, number one, the problem with the with the a publican is it would be a Jewish person working for the Roman government that would be taking unfair taxes from the people of Israel and they were known that Rome did not care if those tax collectors took a little bit off the top as long as Rome got their percentage. Rome got their percentage, you could charge an extra percentage for your own uh, uh, bank account, if you will. They were just despite, they were just terrible people. But then not only were they uh, publicans, but the Bible says sinners. Sinners were those who scoffed at God's law, failed to participate in the temple rituals, and or made money by sinful means. See, but Jesus didn't just preach to these kind of people. Jesus actually kept company with these kind of people. Now again, we started off by saying God is love. That does not mean that God embraces or condones sin by any measure. But what he does is he loves sinners. He loves sinners because he's able to see he hates sin, but he loves sinners. And so he was around them. He cared about them. One of the great things about the love of God is when that God's love looks at you and looks at me and looks at the people around us, God does not see us for what we are. He sees us for what we can be. And God's love, He hung out with publicans and sinners. And matter of fact, He seemed to enjoy their company and they they enjoyed His company, He enjoyed theirs. See, John 3, 16, of course, is a great, great verse about the love of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, God, the, the, the love that motivated the Lord to send the, the Lord to come to earth, for God the Father to send Christ to the earth, it was love. God has given you a love, and that it doesn't matter even if you don't know Him yet. He gave His Son because He loves you so much. And it's the same love from a practical standpoint that should fill our hearts to show this same love to people around us. May God help us to see the despised, the, the people that may be despicable among us as people by the world standards, as people for whom Jesus died. And those that Jesus can save. May we also be able to look around at people, not for who they are, but for what we know God can do for them. So God's love is intrinsic in His nature. God's love is universal. It's to all, amen. He gave His life to be the propitiation for the world. I'm I'm glad about that. I'm glad there's not a person that we can approach that isn't someone for whom Jesus died. For someone who Jesus loves. But His love is also everlasting. The Bible says in Jeremiah 31 verse 3, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, and loving kindness is kind of an Old Testament word for grace. With loving kindness, I have drawn thee. I mean, He loves us with an everlasting love. You know what that means? That means that there's not a time that God has loved you any more than He loves you right now. There's not a time that He's loved you any less 
then He's loved you right now. Which means that God's love is unconditional. Danny mentioned these verses a moment ago. In Romans 5, the Bible says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth, which means He proved or He manifested, He showed His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, unlike earthly affection, His love doesn't fluctuate. And that's one of the problems. Not only, one of the reasons we misunderstand what love is, is that love has been misrepresented to us. Whether through, a, uh, th- through parents, through friends, through uh, you know, past relationships, we think about love and man, we think, well man, uh, lo- love is tough, you know, where love isn't real. I mean, there's people that get a bunch of cynical ideas about love because of the way it's been in earthly, used in earthly affection. But God's love does not fluctuate. The Father does not care for us more than more when we've pleased Him and less when we've failed Him. I want to say that again. God does not love you more when, you have, when you're doing well and less when you're not doing so well. God does not give the cold shoulder. God does not push you back. God does not reject you. Folks, He's got an everlasting, unconditional love. See, sometimes if we're not careful, do you ever, maybe after a, spiritual, a time of spiritual drought and desert, sometimes we can have less confidence that God it will answer our prayers, that God cares for us because we feel less worthy. See, one of the, this is one of the things that I know I hit it a lot, but I need to hit it a lot because some of us still don't get it too well or we'll get it and forget it, but that's this. God loves us, amen? And even when we fail Him, God still loves us. And we feel so unworthy, but here's the great thing. We have been made worthy in Christ. And so, His love is everlasting. His love is unconditional. Do you believe that your performance makes God love you more? Do you believe, perhaps maybe by being here this morning, that God loves you more than if you hadn't come to church today? I hope not, but we can get those things in our mind because we we do not have the right understanding of God's love. God's love does not say, yeah, I love you more when you're doing right. Man, He loves us all the time. And that's why one of the reasons why... When we fail, I think about Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. How the Bible says that God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man, His love is everlasting. His love is unconditional. And I know I share this with you from time to time. But believe it or not, I sin and come short of the glory of God sometimes. I was waiting for a gasp on that one. But I do. I'm just kidding. I do. So therefore, there's times that I feel really unworthy. And in and of myself, there's times that I am unworthy. But what we need to be careful of is dwelling so much on our failure that we forget to thank Him for His grace. Because the Bible says, the Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
So we rightfully feel guilty when we sin and fail. We go to God, we confess it, and, uh, and, I, and I struggle with it. Do you, do you just ever want to just quit failing? You ever just want to get it right one of these times? Well, you will one day when we get to heaven. But in the meantime, you really need to learn something. You need to learn something. You need to learn that God's love is everlasting. And you need to learn that God's love is unconditional. And so you and I need to learn, and man, this is something by the grace of God. It's a beautiful thing. Shame on us if we come to God and repent. Don't shame on you for that. That's the good part. But shame on us if we just stay in that same attitude and don't take time. Wouldn't it be an awful thing for us to come to God? Oh, God, I've sinned again. Please forgive me. Wouldn't it be an awful thing for us not to somehow just lift our hands up to heaven and say, Lord, I just want to thank you. Because here I am again. I failed again. I've sinned again. But God, I've come once again to your forgiveness. And Lord, you still love me. I mean, the Lord still, He's still crazy about me. See, God's not like our earthly fathers or mothers or past relationships or current relationships. That if you don't live up to expectations, you're not getting any love. You're not getting any attention. And sure, I'll forgive you, you know. Uh, somebody said, uh, uh, I think it was a great philosopher, Garth Brooks, that said they bury the hatchet and leave the handle sticking out, you know. And that way you can bring up the, uh, that, that handle, dig it back up anytime. That's how some people do, right? You do somebody wrong, will you forgive me? Well, I'll try to forgive you and all this and that. week or two later... Uh, so you get another argument. I, don't you remember? I thought you forgave me of that. I thought we were moving on from that. I'm glad God is not a human. I'm glad that His love is divine. I'm glad that He cares about us. I'm glad that His love is everlasting and unconditional. So will you just what you really need to do, you may be feeling down because of your failures. You may be feeling down because you've messed up again. But I'm telling you what, that's okay for a little bit. But once you repent, by faith, will you just praise Him for a little bit? Will you thank Him? Will you just start, just, just start vocalizing it? Lord, I feel terrible. But Lord, I just want to thank You because You are a forgiver. I thank You. You know what I think about? I've told you this before. And you know why I keep going back to these things a lot of times? Because I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't got a hold of some of these truths. And I want you to get a hold of them. And I've got to remind myself of these truths on a uh, daily, uh, weekly basis. That, Lord, you forgive me. You're good. You knew before you ever went to the cross to pay for my awful sins that I would fail you. Ain't that good? And He loved me and saved me anyway. And He doesn't say, well, that's it. You're done, buddy. I'm sick of you now. Anybody ever got sick of you? I know people have got sick of me. But I tell you one, who's not got sick of me? The Lord. Amen, ain't that wonderful? I mean, I'm telling you, uh, the Lord is so good. His love is everlasting. His love is unconditional. And man, by the grace of God, you see why I say getting a hold of this is important. Because the devil wants us to believe otherwise. And he wants you and I to go around as defeated Christians. Because if we're so focused on our sin and failure all the time, it's going to reflect in our attitudes. It's going to reflect in the way we live our lives. It's going to reflect in our confidence in God. But if I'm embracing, if I'm grasping and embracing the love of God, then I can have a good attitude. And I can be happy. 
And somebody can say, say to me, well, preacher, I don't know why you're so happy. Uh, man, you're not perfect. And I was like, that's why I'm, not, that's why I'm so happy. I'm not happy because uh, that I'm not what I ought to be. I'm, glad, I'm happy because I'm not what I used to be. And I'm happy because I'm not what I'm going to be one day. See, God's got it all in His loving plan. God has it all laid out and figured out. I, I wish I could just shout it from the rooftops. God's love is everlasting. God's love is unconditional. And if you've sinned today, you can repent. You can turn to God. You can have forgiveness. I'm telling you, He does not love you any more today or any less today than He ever has. But that doesn't mean that he, does, that he loves you just a little bit. He loves you so, as the Bible says in John 3, 16. So not only is His love everlasting and unconditional, His love is also sacrificial. Look at chapter 4 again, look at verse 10. The Bible says, Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins, the sacrifice, the replacement. Jesus Christ came to pay the penalty for our sins. See, God's love, think about that. Jesus Christ gave His life on the cross that we might have eternal life and enjoy fellowship with God while we're still living on this earth. See, Jesus, His whole motivation was a love for mankind. It was a love for you. And I'm telling you, there's an old song somebody wrote that just said, He must have loved me a lot. <laughs> and we need to just remember that every once in a while. How much does Jesus love you? How much does He care about you? You know, the, the, the last time I preached, about, I preached about our times being in His hands. And I talked about how hard times can be. And how tough life can be. And how rough the circumstances surrounding us can be. That can make us question the love of God. They can make us question God's love when we're going through hard times, when we're facing uncertainty. But beloved, we should never question His love. And, and we do, but when we begin to question His love, we need to remind ourselves, wait, wait, wait. No, He loved me a lot. He loved me so much. I, he loved me way too much just to leave me alone without any hope or peace in this world. He, he loved me way too much not to have a plan. He's the sovereign God that knows it all. He's the God who knows what I'm going to face. He's always known what I was going to face. He doesn't allow me to go what I go through because He doesn't love me. He allows me to go through what I go through because He does love me. And though it doesn't make sense in the present, I know, his, I know He loves me. I know He loves me. Come what may, I know He loves me. I'm telling you, our brothers and sisters, some of them in Afghanistan that we need to pray for, it was a fairly recent declaration that there were several, a lot of Christians that had the opportunity within Afghanistan before recent events that they wanted to re-register as Christians. There's a lot of people that are registered as Muslims in the world, but it's just because that's what they were. But there's many of them that have come to Christ and they have now said, no, we want to register and be known as Christians. But now the Taliban, of course, uh, not friends of ours, not friends of Christians, not friends of America, these people are now going to be going after these Christians. We need to pray for our brothers and sisters. But you want to know something about them? The Lord loves them. The Lord loves them. You say, well, why would they have to go through that? I don't know. 
But I know that throughout the centuries, you, you know, can you imagine, can you imagine our brothers and sisters, that's, it's been documented about those who have actually been martyrs for Christ, that there was those that while they were putting to death, the, the, the actual executioners, the, the men that were, it was put into their hands to take the lives and torture and kill our brothers and sisters in Christ, that many of them would come to Christ because God's love would outpour through their hearts and through their uh, lives to where they would be boldly proclaiming the love of Christ as they were being martyred for Christ. And that the executioners oftentimes would get saved. And that people that were witnessing this would be saved. The church of Smyrna comes to mind in the, in the New Testament in the book of Revelation. The, the, the church at Smyrna. Uh, the, uh, Smyrna gets its name from the herb myrrh. And myrrh was, a, it was, it was an herb. It was a bitter herb. It was bitter. But when it was crushed, it would give off a sweet-smelling fragrance. The church at Smyrna. And that's how many of these martyrs are. Man, they, they, they've got a bitter lot in life. But I'm telling you, when they're being crushed, there's a sweet savor of the love of God that goes off of them that brings many to Christ. But I want to say not only that, but God's love is sacrificial. Jesus said this. He said in John 15, 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. What Jesus was trying to tell His disciples was, that he loved. He was, he was contrasting his love with the love that we face in this world. God's love is sacrificial. God's love is contagious. When we walk in close fellowship with Christ, God's love overflows to those around us. The Holy Spirit fills us so that we can extend unconditional love to others. Oh, my friends, look at what the Bible says there in verse 16 of our, of our chapter here. 1 John 4. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. Folks, through our lives, God communicates his love to a lost and a dying world. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, And above all these things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Now, among this love, we talk a lot, and I, and I, I want to emphasize the love that we need to have toward God, toward a lost and dying world. But how about the love that we ought to have one for another? God's given us a loving church, hasn't He? God's given us a group of people that care about each other, love one another. And I think that's a wonderful thing, man. We're so blessed. Uh, and I tell you, I am not kidding you when I say I just, I just feel like the most blessed man alive to be able to be a part of this church, much less to be able to be the pastor of this church. The Bible says to have fervent charity among yourselves. Love one another. You know, one of the things I appreciate about this church, we just celebrated 10 years since we start, had our very first service. And one of the reasons why God has allowed us to be accused, and I hope to be guilty, of being the love church, is because we've had fervent love one for another. But folks, that's intentional. That's on purpose. Uh, we've got to do that. Why? Because we've got to guard against these other petty things that people allow to come into churches. 
We've got a garden. That's what we've had people that's had a fervent love. See, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. Because you know the Bible and can argue it so well. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples because you're uh, dressing right and you know walking right and spitting white and everything else. By this shall men know you're my disciples. No, he says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one for another. So it's something the devil wants to attack, but that we must protect. By this shall all... But the Bible says there that... It says that charity covereth the multitude of sins. You say, are we talking about covering, hiding sins here? No, because hiding sins are, is foolish. But here's the idea. When I know that a brother or sister has sinned, I don't go around saying, I knew they were going to sin. Let me tell you about the sin of my brother and sister. It's something that this brother or sister has repented of and is trying to get some help with and, has, and, and, and that, you, that you don't go around broadcasting that to others. In other words, we don't go around trying to highlight the, fault, the faults one of another. Remember, we want to look for, it is a biblical principle that we learn to praise the positive attributes of others. Amen? There, there's some that just, and listen, I, I, I'm not trying to pick on you, but I'm trying to help you because there's some, and you know it, you have more of an inclination to point out the negative than you do the positive. Whether it be with your children, your spouse, your church, your life. It's just a tendency to point out and listen. But may God help you to hear wisdom and hear God's Word. And I know it's not natural, but God can help you supernaturally to start learning to find some things to compliment about your kids or your spouse or your uh, situation. And so it's contagious, man. So God's love is contagious. I want to say, lastly, that God's love is motivating. God's love is motivating. Look at 1 John 4, verse 9. The Bible says, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. So this love, is, it's, it's supernatural. But He's going to live through us. Look at verse 12. No man hath seen God at any time. Look, listen to this closely. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. That's something. God's love being perfected in you and in me if we love one another. Here's what He's saying there. No man hath seen God at any time. So think about this. The people that you're going to encounter today, the people that you're going to encounter this week, they've never seen God. Matter of fact, we've never seen God. But we have seen God through others. I dare say that the reason that we came to Christ, it wasn't just only through the gospel message, but that we were able to see God in somebody else. You remember, what the, you remember what the Apostle Paul says to the Corinthians when he says, ye are, our, ye are our epistle, amen, our living epistle, known and read of all men? He, the point is this. Where in, the wor- where in this world, quite literally I ask, where in this world are people going to see God? 
Yes, they can see Him if they look at creation, but they, they ought to also ought to be able to see God as they look at you and as they look at me. That's what He's saying here. God's love is perfected in us. Why? Because God is able to make a selfish human being, and how many of you know that naturally speaking, we have a tendency to be selfish? And I always want to direct over to our teens and our young folks, but it's not just them. We're all taught to embrace that selfishness. Take care of yourself. Do you. But there's such a lie in all that. Because when we set out to try to fulfill ourselves, and when we feel out, set out by, by putting ourselves first, what happens is we become so empty. We're so, so empty. But what happens if we, if we start being sacrificial in our love? What happens if we start showing love toward other people? Then we start feeling the, the joy that it is to have God's love flowing through our lives. When we learn to set our minds on God's affection, we have a great, greater ability to overcome sin. So it's motivating. It's motivated, motivating to be a light to this world. It's motivating to overcome sin. So instead of indulging on fleshly desires, including self-loathing and pity, He allows us, He allows His Spirit to guide us. See, honestly, sin is often an attempt to meet legitimate needs apart from God. This means that the root of much transgression is just a genuine need for comfort, peace, acceptance, and approval. But what God says is that we can find all of this in Him. We can find all of this in letting Him live through our lives. See, sometimes we may make, make excuses for our sins, but God is, God's love is motivating. It's motivating to help me be a light and to accomplish the purpose that He has in my life, to love one another. It's motivating in the fact that I can know who I am in Him. And it's also motivating when we are tempted to sin. And when we talk about sin, we don't just talk about sins that we do. Did you know there are some sins that are sins because of what you don't do? I mean, sometimes I, I, know, I know Christians, I know people in church that they get so caught up on all that they don't do. Well, I don't do this and I don't do that and I don't do the other thing. Sometimes you've got to pause and ask yourself, well, what do you do? What do you do? Are you serving? Are you using your spiritual gift within your local church? Are you being a godly uh, husband or wife? Are you being a godly child in the home or, or at school? Or are you, are you being a godly employee wherever it is that you're at? See, God's love should motivate us today. So I pray that the Lord would help us to get a grasp of this great, great love that He has for us and this great, great love that He wants to live through us today. So let's all stand, please. And I'll ask Danny to come.